It started out in the park. Hip <laughs> 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 hop, you know how we do it. We get out on the block, start break dancing. We hanging out with our friends, shaking hands. We do the dance, go to the ball and right. shoot some hoop. Okay. Curtis Blow a lot for stealing Melly Mel style. 
But looking back at it, Curtis Blow kind of did his style way better. <laughs> oh, God damn. <laughs> so, Melly Mel was promoting his comeback record to Eminem, who dissed him on a song called Realist on Easy Mill's record, right? Yo, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be up to par to stand up to even the uh, average burst that Eminem really spit. Eminem just threw some jabs. He ain't really want to uppercut and kill the old guy. He wanted to touch him up a little bit, you dig? But hip-hop heads, like, oh, geez, young niggas. But for him to come with this record, listen, when I cut it on, I was like, okay, let's see what this old nigga got, right? Because that nigga is like 68, 60,000 60, years old, right? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I did not get through it. I didn't make it 30 seconds. I was like, no, he fucking didn't. No. This nigga came with the 1982 flow. I was like, oh my God. The way to even stand up to an Eminem is to just at least drop a halfway decent diss record. MGK dropped a hard diss record. Ja Rule dropped a hard diss record. Like, even Cannabis' responses was better than hell. I'm willing to go this far. The Black Slim Shady was way better than this. All right, y'all. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try live. We're gonna play Melly Mel old ass this record on the show live and direct <laughs> because this is embarrassing. And you know, I understand. I was always raised to respect my elders, but <laughs> in this case, this nigga deserves absolutely, positively, zero respect after putting on this garbage display. Let's play it, y'all. Let's fade out. Let's play this shit, and I'll come right back to y'all. Warning. If you have sensitive ears, don't let your ears hemorrhage. And just simply just fast forward this part, because this is about to get bad out here. It's the one. I'm the king of legend, first hall of famer, making diss tracks, I know you with that, now everybody get ready for the kickback, why you hurt, why you mad, now you look bad, like a roach just crawled out of your book bag, in a pack clad, you black clad, go to bed with no supper, cause you gotta suffer the backlash, the top five is cap, you the piss that's on the floor, in the elevator of rap, why you ducking on the game when you shit on my name, why they put Pee Herman in the hall of fame, I would give you a pound, but I break your hand, I got the lawyer so white, he will take your land, yo, check your man, come and look at your friend, cause I think that Eminem is popping pills again, we call him Pill Clinton, or either Pill Gates, but Pill is who we take to make him hate the great, think you are, but you ain't, still you made a mistake, hit a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I'ma give your fans one more chance to go online and re-energize that romance, after that, say your dad's goodbye, cut before I put Matthew's lights out, I'm turning up the fucking Wi-Fi, another little kid, don't hate the greats, more white chalk, more yellow tape, 
hearty old Anthony Anderson laugh on that. <laughs> what the fuck was that, OG? OG triple OG? What in the fuck was that, Kanye? <laughs> oh, God damn. I think this is by far the worst diss record that I've ever heard in the history of rap. I've heard some bad diss records. And I think even those bad diss records are better than this one. I think Meek Mill want to know is better than this. At least he exposed that uh, Drake had Ghost Riders and he got peed on. You know, that was, that's a legendary moment. This is a legendary moment for the worst reasons. Because first of all, I can't name one other song other than the message that this dude has put out. I can name more Curtis Blow records than I can name Melly Mel records, bro. And that's a person that took your formula and did it better than you. I'm saying, though. This was just epically bad. If I was Eminem, I wouldn't waste my time responding to this guy. You you hear you hear he did the hurrah like he won. <laughs> you remember them old school b-boy niggas used to uh after they end their verse, they'd be like hurrah. <laughs> oh thank God I caught the end of that era when I was born. Oh man. When I was born, hip-hop was getting good. You understand what I'm saying? Man. I'd rather hear MC Hammer to this nigga right now in 2023. Hell, MC Hammer, this record to Jay-Z was better than this. <laughs> this is by far the worst diss record I've ever heard in my entire fucking existence. This is fucking hilarious. This is hip-hop? I don't know what the fuck that was. That was pretty bad. I've said this on the show many a times. And I'm going to say it again. Hip-hop from 1981 to 1985 was hot garbage. It was garbage. Like it or not, hip-hop got good in 1986. That's when, you know, like I said, don't get me wrong, it was a couple joints, you know, like LL radio album was fire. But look at everything that happened after 1986. You know, once Run DMC broke through commercially, through the airwaves, you know what I'm talking about? All that music, you know. All those cats that came out in that era from Rakim to Kane to EPMD, they elevated the rap game to smooth and cool lyricism. You know, from 81 to 85, everybody was yelling. Who the fuck do it? Nigga. Ha 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 Like 81 through 85. Rap is hot ass cheeks, B. Terrible music. Mid-ass music. But like I said, once Run DMC came out with that album with Rockbox on it, that's when things got good. That's when, you know, like I said, Kane, Rakim, 
KRS. LL, they all stepped the, 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 the rap game up. NWA, you know what I'm saying? Once all them came out, the game was in good hands after that. Because hip-hop had a, a, a up-and-down start. Like I said, that rock shit was good for like two years. But let's, let's answer the real question, like... Melly Mel wasn't really that hot, even in his era. Like, from what I could understand, you know, KRS killed him, ended his career. That nigga KRS said, you're just another rapper that's had his turn. (laughs) And that line speaks a lot of volumes in 2023. Now that's the end of my TED talk. Now let's move on to some uh some interesting news. Now Richard Sherman has officially replaced Shannon Sharp as the co-host on Undisputed for the Undisputed rollout and return. Now FS1 currently has the crown for the worldwide leader in sports. Let's see what happens with Undisputed because Richard Sherman I mean I'm going to be honest with y'all Richard Sherman's a really smart guy but I don't know how how his temper would hold up because you know Richard Sherman's known for having a temper and losing his shit I don't know whether it be good for ratings or bad for ratings because you got to remember dog Back in the day, Richard Sherman roasted Skip Bayless, one of the few that got on TV with Skip Bayless and cooked his ass. You know, it's been a handful of people, including Mark Cuban, Jalen Rose, and even Shannon Sharp has gotten the best of him a couple of days. (laughs) But, um... Richard Sherman probably was the one that roasted the fuck out of Skip Bayless. And Skip wants to get cooked by this man every day for ratings. Well, fuck it. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't even know if Skip Bayless is a top 50 all-time sportscaster. Of all the sportscasters that I've seen, I don't even know if he's up there like that. Sherman will also continue his current role on Amazon's Thursday Night Football. So that's very fucking interesting. But congrats to Richard Sherman, I guess. And speaking of shitty ass Sportscasters. I know who's not a top 1,000 sportscaster. It's the weak-ass, possible homosexual, Colin Cowherd. I know this ain't NBA or music talk, but this came across my desk and I was, like, infuriated. 
Not, I mean, okay, so Colin Cowherd put out a list of quarterbacks that will never win a Super Bowl, right? And this nigga had the nerve to put a dead man on the list. Really? No shit, Sherlock. He's not going to win a fucking Super Bowl, you dick sucker. Like, this nigga had the nerve to talk about a dead man. He said that the late quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, will never win a Super Bowl. And he listed a bunch of quarterbacks that will never win a Super Bowl, just completely disrespecting all of these guys. And it's just... They need to really get that dude off of TV. Like, he's had his run, man. Like, he needs to be fired for that. This is a complete disrespect to not only those quarterbacks, but to Dwayne Haskins and members of Dwayne Haskins' family. Because they've endured enough, you know, throughout his... You know, Dwayne Haskins had a tough career. And a lot of... You know, he he didn't have the most fortune... He didn't have the fortune. Coast to coast instrumental. And, you know, he passed away, man. And it was just so sad. <clears throat> and for him to do that, he needs to at least be suspended. I mean, I would have fired him. But, you know, they're not going to fire a white guy. No matter how disrespectful he gets. They're never going to fire a white man. Period, point blank. You just not. Oh, Tory Lanes. No. Damn, Hammy. Damn, Tory. What the fuck, man? What up with this? So, Tory Lanes was sentenced to 10 years in prison for allegedly shooting Megan Thee Stallion. Allegedly. I'm always going to go with allegedly because the truth will never come out on what actually happened. Because Kelsey decided to take immunity, didn't testify. Tory Lanes didn't testify. Only we only heard one side of the story, which was Megan's. We didn't hear nobody else's side of the story. Uh, I think the EJ guy, I think he testified, but that was it. We only heard it was one-sided. And the court of law, despite you know heavy gunshot residue on Kelsey hand you know what I'm saying Tory Lane still got the gas chamber I mean 10 years a lot of people were expecting way more years but I'm gonna be honest with y'all I still don't think he meant or intentionally meant to shoot her I definitely think he shot he fired the weapon though Kelsey and Megan got into a fight that night over him because Tory Lanez spilled the beans about their secret uh, relationship. 
Let's review the charges again on what he's exactly guilty of. And he was convicted of felony assault. Wow. For shooting and injuring Megan Thee Stallion. So, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people are blaming Rock Nation for this. They only play a small role in this. Now, is Tory Lanez perfect? Fuck no. I mean, he did face up to 22 years and 8 months in prison. And then Megan Thee Stallion, like, sent a letter to the judge declaring to bear no mercy. Lanes was initially charged in October 2020 with one felony count each of assault with a semi-automatic firearm, personal use of a firearm, and carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle. Personal use of a firearm is not a separate charge, but is a sentencing enhancement linked to the first count. Lanes was charged ahead of his trial with an additional felony count of discharging firearm with gross negligence hmm I don't think he's guilty of felonious assault however he is guilty of the other two for sure discharging a firearm with gross negligence that's about that's accurate I'll say I'll say that he's firing the gun in the air after that happened after he took the gun from Kelsey so definitely believable. Okay, he's guilty of that. Fair. He pled not guilty to all three charges, but was guilty of all found guilty of all three charges. I do not think he meant to shoot Megan. He definitely meant to scare her, for sure. Um, I say this all the time, alcohol and pistols don't mix. Alcohol and passion and cheating don't mix. So, anyway. My thoughts on this is, I feel like Kelsey went to go get that gun. And then as far as the gun situation is, we don't even know who gun that really is. Because from what I heard, I think that was a weapon, an unregistered weapon that Kelsey had. That's what I heard from the grapevine. You know, from people that were actually sitting in the courtroom. 
there was really no link to who that weapon belonged to. Now, I don't think that this situation was what fucked him up. Tory Lanez in this situation fucked himself up. Because first of all, you never tell another woman about the other woman. And you know, Megan Thee Stallion's known for being like an angry drunk. You don't never tell an angry drunk that's, you know, I don't care what Kelsey and Megan was saying to you that night. That's something that you keep on the low. These were two close friends that did everything together. And you spilled the beans, killing their friendship. And you started a fight between the two girls with revealing this information. Now, a lot of y'all women's groups not going to like my my position on this. Pause. But I feel like there was a struggle over the weapon. And then, you know, I think what killed Tory Lanez in this is the phone call. He called Kelsey apologizing for something. Yeah, he might have apologized for the events that took place leading to Megan getting shot. But the courtroom... Not going to see it that way, big big baby. Especially when you're a black and successful hip-hop and R&B artist. You know? So, he fucked himself with that phone call. He never should have called Kelsey. If he never would have called Kelsey, this shit would have been over with. And done. But no, this nigga had to feel some type of remorse. He couldn't, you couldn't wait until you got out. You were going to make bail, bro. You couldn't hold, you couldn't hold on. Bruh, not only the phone call, but you kept getting in trouble while this case was going on, bruh. You, you, you got into multiple cases. Then... You, ins- you assaulted August Alsina. Court, people people are, are looking at his track record. Like, Tory Lanez had cases. He had priors. So, in my opinion, I think that um, 10 years is pretty, pretty decent. That's not bad. And he could possibly get out early. Maybe six and a half. On good behavior, I think Tory Lanez could get out earlier than the 10 years that he was sentenced. But, man, that's crazy, though. You remember in uh, the movie Nothing to Lose, where... uh, Martin accidentally shot Tim Robbins. I think it kind of went down something similar to that. 
<laughs> and and Giancarlo Esposito, man, he had the line of the movie, and that shit, <laughs> that shit applies to this situation. That nigga said, "Man, put that motherfucker away before you take a fucking toe hit." <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, but you know, my thoughts and prayers go to Megan too because you know she's the one that was shot, she's the one that's hit, and she's the one that's, you know suffering mentally from this. I'm pretty sure getting shot traumatizes anyone that's been shot before. Even people that have been shot at. Being shot at is traumatizing. Let alone, you know what I mean, actually being hit. But uh, let's move on, man. Let's move on from this subject here. G-Mac does it again. Man, so first the giant slide, now this. So G-Mac Cash cooked up another joint. You know what I'm saying? The Montgomery Brawl. And it's hot fire. Yeah, Detroit Zone, man. He he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss a goddamn thing. He's got some of the best one minute and a half songs about current situations ever. It's kind of like, you remember the people on the radio used to make those parody songs and shit and used to make it like a hundred times funnier? This is exactly what this is. Montgomery Brawl, man, that record is hilarious. It's a new anthem. Get your damn hands up. Man, y'all, this, you know, this this whole Montgomery situation even got white folks turning against white folks. Because I seen some of the posts from the white people. And then, did y'all see old boy that got mopped up by the OG, Triple OG? Damn, he was black and blue. Some of those wounds was purple. I was like, damn, that's what happens when you get beat black and blue. And that wasn't even to do, I want to see the injuries of everybody else and the motherfucker that got hit with the chair. I want to see the injuries of all them motherfuckers. Yeah, man, when they took that little group picture, they didn't think that they was going to get into that type of shit that day, boy. They didn't think they'd be beaten to a goddamn pulp. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Los Angeles Clippers are expected to restart discussions on a James Harden trade this offseason. This is via Shams. Yeah, you got to believe it's got to be some validity to it if Shams or Woe says it. I wonder what they're going to discuss. How are they going to get James Harden without having to give up Paul George or Kawhi? Maybe they, they, they trade Kawhi to the 76ers. Oh, man, Sixers fans. How would y'all feel about that? <laughs> That'd be awkward as hell, wouldn't it? I mean, a Kawhi for Harden swap doesn't seem far-fetched. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's always been hurt every year. 
I mean, PG, you know. But, you know, knowing the Clippers, they want to keep Kawhi and Paul George and add James Harden to it and give up their goddamn role players when it's as simple as a Kawhi Harden swap. I mean, what the fuck y'all waiting on? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Seriously. What are you waiting for? Oh, man. So, on the eve of the week that your album is uh, supposed to come out, it's kind of a bad time to talk about and air out issues with your label. When the label is about to put your album out, did TDE push back Reason's album? I just want to know something. Because he was supposed to drop a new project this week. But he put out there that he got, you know, reason his new album is called Porches, right? Like he's supposed to drop this album Friday, but he airing out personal issues with the label. So, according to Complex, this is an article. And the headline of the article reads, Reason accuses TDE of sabotaging new album. Label co-president responds, asking if anyone can name 10 Reason songs. I mean, I can because I'm a fan. And even... You know, let's see if I can actually name them before I get arrogant. I'm going to prove it to y'all live. Show Stop, Extinct, Extinct Remix, that's three. Corrupt, Summer Up, um, Pop Shit, um, You see, I remember names, but not titles. But y'all get y'all get the gist. I know I know ten reason fucking songs, B. Oh yeah, my joint. It's two joints that I love, man, by Reason, dog. And I can't think of them because they both sound the same. And they was on that album. Stories I forgot. That's that's seven, right? Well, I named seven. Shit. But I understand where uh, the TDE guy, what he means. Because Reason hasn't necessarily broke through commercially. And he's on a label with a bunch of artists. So, Reason claimed that TDE prevented features on his new album. And Musa replied saying Dave 
Free once called the rapper a substitute teacher. And Top Dog, one of Top Dog's label heads, Punch, also responded to the matter. So, Punch has responded to Reason's comments about the ensuing conversation about label support and lack thereof. Punch, who is the co-president alongside Musa, hopped on Twitter Tuesday to say it's becoming stale for a rapper to blame their label over issues regarding promotion of an album. That big, bad, mean old label narrative is getting stale. You mean old, evil label. I mean, Punch describes this You know, he spent a good amount of time going back and forth with users on X. He said, you are. It's ultimately the artist's call and TDE is an artist friendly label. You're not dealing with a faceless corporation. This isn't Universal or Sony. Niggas know who TDE is and know the actual people. Yikes. So Punch is saying that. It's ultimately up to the artist's call. When the artist is ready to turn in their album, you know, they put it out no matter what. They do the rollouts. They handle everything. A lot of the people on X was saying that, you know, they're blaming TDE. You know, these are a bunch of Reason fans, I can tell, because they want some new Reason album. You know what I mean? There you have it. <laughs> That's the eighth reason song. But anyway, right? So this is the original. This is what Reason actually had to say about um, the original article, right? Because this was an update to the previous article. So. Reason and Top Dog President Anthony Musa Tiffith Jr. got into a tense conversation over the rapper's upcoming album, Porches. On Monday, the Carson native was a guest on the Back on Fig podcast and aired his grievances with the West Coast label not putting forth effort in his new album scheduled to drop on Friday. According to Reasons, there was features that he wanted on the album that didn't end up making the cut. We had certain features lined up that could have went through, he said. We had the budget. We had the features lined up. It takes too long to get pushed through. The feature price ended up going up or something goes away. Content ideas lined up, not executed. Rollout ideas lined up, not executed. It was a few different things. I had Lotto lined up for a feature, not executed. I had ESTG lined up, not executed. Like us not pushing through, features lined up, we got a price set, video, and verse for the love, takes too long. On the ESTG feature, Reason explained that it took too long to get through the ESTG and his people be like, yo, this is what we wanna do. He said that by the time that they connected. He dropped a record with Future and the record went crazy. Now the Future is 25,000 
more than what it already was. Now Musa responded to this by saying, can you name 10 reason songs? I named about eight. <laughs> That's because of a fan, but whatever. Fuck y'all. But anyway, the hosts were stumped. The TDE executive claimed that Dave Free didn't even want to sign Reason and called him a substitute teacher. Hey, Dave, Dot, I love them niggas, but Dave never wanted us to sign Reason. Dot only said Reason had talent, but it's going to take more than talent in this game now. And everybody knows that. Wow, that's very interesting. Musa asks, what a collaboration with ESTG would do for Reason's trajectory? Stating A's already worked with artists like Schoolboy Q. Even when I hear niggas say, saying features and everything, oh, oh yeah, you could have got an ESTG feature. But what does that do for Reason? Like, what's that going to do for Reason? Even when you say you can't get into contact with SZA and all that, you didn't have features from everybody, including Q. I'm just trying to understand it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, Reason had feet, a lot of, did have some features on that last album. He had Ben Staples, he had Schoolboy Q, he had, um, what's the boy name? Ah! He had his uh, G. You know, he's had some some decent features in the past. But Reason probably wanted to had a, a list of people he wanted to work with. I mean, fuck what you heard though, Musa. I mean, a big feature could boost your album sales. A collaboration. I mean, y'all just put out a record with J-Rock, Anderson Pack, and Lotto. Y'all let J-Rock have Lotto, but Reason couldn't have Lotto. That's that sound crazy. You secured Lotto for J-Rock, but not for Reason. Hmm. It sounds like I don't know, man. There, there may be some validity to this reason situation. Reason didn't take the criticism lightly. You want to have a conversation or you want to go viral? Which one you want to do? He asked Musa. Musa also took the re issue with reason insinuating that TDE was responsible for his lack of success, which the rapper countered by claiming that he hasn't been allowed to drop music consistently despite giving the label various projects he wanted to put out over the last three years. Mm. Tough. That's a good response. Reason's upcoming album, Porches, is dropping on Friday with features from Dochi, Sir, Baby Tate, Zakari, and Rayvon, and others. At It Again is the single from the album. I love At It Again, by the way. That's a that's one of the songs that, you know, like I said, when it come on, my head be bobbing, though, every time I hear Reasons records. The Dust Up is the latest in, the, in TDE's long history of having their artists push back 
against the way that they do business. However, though, when you bring up the scissor situation, you see how that worked out for her, though. TDE knows how to build up anticipation for artists. That's one thing that they're actually good at. And I definitely do believe that they're an artist-friendly label. But let's look at both sides of this. One side says that... Okay, check this out. One side says, I've been putting in the work. I've been sending y'all the music. I gave y'all a list of the features that I wanted. And y'all didn't deliver. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, what if what you wanted to put out was ass? And they told you to go back to the drawing board. What if they felt like, okay, now's not the time to come out. This artist coming out, this artist coming out. And I don't want that shit to, to fuck your sales up. TDE has always been good with uh, dropping things, you know what I'm saying, in a timely fashion. Because SZA complained about some of the same issues. Absol complained about some of the same issues. But in SZA's case, you know, SZA's a superstar. Reason is a lower tier lyricist. Damn near an underground rapper signed on a major label. So, my final thoughts on this is reason. If you're not happy on TDE, ask for your release. And if TDE is so artist-friendly, like they say they are, they would drop your ass. It's just, it's just that plain and simple. And this is just the laundry list of label issues because, shit, I've been waiting on Ray Vaughn album to drop for a long time. I'm still trying to figure out why that nigga ain't dropped because that nigga nice, just like Reason is. Yeah, I'm just now realizing that Musa is Top Dog's son. Wow. That's dope. But I definitely could clearly see both sides of the matter here. All right, y'all. I blabbed enough about that, that last segment. <laughs> I want to thank y'all for coming through, listening to my shit, and fucking with me today. It's King Known Uncensored. Hip-hop is dead, and I'm gone.